0: I'm Michael Lamb, editor of the 23rd of February edition of Talking Newspapers. I'd like to thank all of you who have contacted us to say you really enjoyed the guest speakers we had from Waitrose. I'm pleased to tell you that we also have a delightful lady and a colleague doing work experience also from Waitrose who volunteered to join us reading this week's papers for you. As I mentioned last time, several of you you said you look forward to our guest readers, and this week's is no exception. I'm really, really pleased to tell you we have Fiona Charny, who I feel will captivate you with her straightforward and candid comments. So please keep your feedback as we all hear want, as we all, want, you know, I wrote this out and my spell checker came out right, but i got the words the wrong way around. As we all want to make sure that recordings are, are as pleasurable to you as possible. We have our engineering Wizzo Justin, who ensures the recording is the right quality. Our USB sticks are processed as expertly as ever by the ever-efficient Carol Hartle and other team members who ensure the, their rapid dispatch. As usual, we have headlines, obituaries, local stories, local sport, selected radio programmes, weather and sunrise and sunset, followed by our guest speaker. Well, sort of in that order, anyway. As usual, all the items follow on, and you can stop and start them as as you wish by using the big buttons on your player. Additionally, you can hear it on our website, WorcestertalkingNews.org.uk. I'll repeat that WorcestertalkingNews.org.uk, together with past editions, including the magazine. If you have any trouble or comments please contact us by whatever means is convenient to you our phone number is zero one nine zero five seven six seven seven six six I'll repeat that zero one nine zero five seven six seven seven six six and be please be prepared for an answering machine to take your call. As usual, we'd like to take this opportunity to remind you of our vast range of library, of our, you know, I've got my teeth in the wrong way around tonight, to remind you of our vast library of talking books. It's been constantly updated, unlike the public libraries. Again, let us know if you would like a book. It's sent free of charge to you and there's no charge for the loan either. I'd like to thank all of you who have made any donations, as they're very much appreciated. So let's proceed. I've edited this week's papers to try and find well-written and interesting news. And there's some interesting stuff in it this week, uh, and I think you'll enjoy hearing from them. The main headlines this week are Hero Teen, How I Took Down a Purse Snatcher Mum's Car Ambushed by Bike Gang, Total Disaster, Boris Bikes for the City, Cathedral in Tourist Top Ten, and I Saw attacked by a Hammer Gang. Our readers this week are...
1: Charlotte, Heather, Toby, Fiona.
0: And what a fascinating group of people they are. We've been chatting away here for five or ten minutes. Uh, range of stories we've covered have been quite interesting uh, we'll run through obituaries, birthdays, headlines, stories the sports I mentioned before in the radio selection followed by Fiona Pippa is away at the moment and will be with us next time so we'll have a newcomer Toby reading the obituaries now okay
2: um, so we have first of all uh, Colin Wilfred Revel Passed away peacefully on Monday, February 13th, 2017, aged 84. The service will take place at the Worcester Crematorium on the 13th of March at 10.45. Um, Frederick, or Ron, Fred, um, Bennett of Kempsey, passed away after a long illness on February 5th, 2017, aged 89 years. And the service will be at the Crematorium on Thursday, March 2nd, at 1.45pm. Elizabeth Elsie Brooks McCulley passed away in hospital on February 1st 2017 aged 91 and the service will also be at the crematorium on March the 3rd at 10am. Uh, we have Donald Roberts who passed away peacefully on Wednesday February the 8th 2017 aged 81 and that service will also be at the crematorium on the 1st of March at 1.45. Uh, Philip Edward Lancey passed away suddenly aged 64 years. Um, And that service will be held at Poick Church on Tuesday, February 28th at 11.30am, followed by a burial. Um, Next we have Leonard Joseph Tyler, um, known as Len or Lenny, passed away peacefully on February 6th, 2017, aged 82. um, And that service will be at the crematorium on March 2nd at 11.30am. Also, we have John Howard Fisher of Claynes, passed away peacefully after a short illness on January 30th, um, aged 85 years, and that service will be at the crematorium on Monday, the 27th of February at 1 p.m. Uh, and then we have Cynthia Pardy, um, born Cracklow, who died peacefully after a long illness on Sunday, January the 29th, aged 94. Um, That funeral will be at the Redditch Crematorium um, at 2.45pm on Monday, February the 27th. Uh, We have Susan Price, who passed away on the 31st of January, aged 71 years. A Thanksgiving service will take place at St Mary's Church, Kempsey, on Monday the 27th at 11.30am. We have Gilbert Bulk, who passed away peacefully at home on February the 7th, aged 83, Um, and this service will take place at the crematorium in Worcester on the 15th of March, Wednesday, at 2.30pm. Malcolm Henry Stevens passed away peacefully on February the 5th, aged 78, and that service will take place at the St. Augustine's Church in Dodderhill on Friday, March the 3rd, at 11am. Donations, if desired, to the air ambulance. Um, Joan Beatrice Uren uh, passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on February the 8th, aged 88. And that service will be at the crematorium on Friday, March the 17th at 2.30. Um, Patricia Ann Sinek, born, born um, passed away peacefully at home with her family on Saturday, February the 4th, and this service will be at the crematorium on Wednesday, March the 1st, at 12.15pm. Uh, Richard Baz Weaver passed away in Cornwall on February the 14th, um, aged 60. And that funeral will take place at the crematorium on Tuesday, March the 2nd, at 3.15pm. Norma Irene Grace Beeman. Who passed away peacefully at Cadmore Lodge Nursing and Retirement Home on February the fifth, aged 87. Her funeral service is to take place at the Wire Forest Crematorium on Tuesday, February the 28th, at 1 p.m. Maisie Jean Chambers passed away peacefully on 29th of January, aged 90. Um, Sybil Gloria Sherwood passed away peacefully on the 10th of February, aged 86 and her funeral service will be at the Worcester Crematorium on the 28th of February Tuesday at 10 a.m. Um, Bernard or Bernie Bosworth passed away peacefully at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on 2nd of February aged 80 uh, his service will be at the crematorium on Thursday March the 9th at 12 15 p.m. Vivian Mary England passed away peacefully at home on February the 10th aged 62 and another service at the crematorium on March the 7th at 2.30pm. Uh, Minette Marchant passed away peacefully on the 30th of January, aged 97. Uh, her service will also be at the crematorium on the 24th of February at 2.30pm. Uh, we have Norman John Busby, who died suddenly on February the 4th, aged 80. Uh, his service will be on at the crematorium in Worcester again, on Monday the 20th of February at 4 p.m. Beryl Lewis passed away on Monday February 13th aged 95 and her funeral service will take place at St Mark in the Cherry Orchard Church Bath Road um, in Worcester on February uh, the 22nd at 1 p.m. Terry Waldron passed away peacefully with his family at his side on February the 1st aged 70 and his funeral is at the Worcester crematorium on Friday 24th of February at 11.30am and finally Ina Cosnet of Pershaw who passed away on the 6th of February and uh, in hospital with her family at her side aged 80.
0: Well well done Toby. I, I put Toby in at the deep end then and he's never read anything out aloud for so long and talking to a microphone very nerve-wracking, and so well done indeed. Um, One thing I noticed when I was going through the obituaries earlier on, with the number of times it was mentioned in the the obituary, please don't wear dark clothes, wear something bright and jolly. Uh, We're celebrating uh, our memories of the person, and that's it. Okie dokie. Now let's have a look at the headline, shall we? as Pippa's not here, we've all moved round a seat. So over to Charlotte. <laughs> uh, over to you. Let's, let's let's start, shall we?
3: Okay. So Friday the February seventeenth. Um, Hero teen. How I took down purse snatcher. So. It's by Sebastian Richards. A -a have-a-go hero has told how jumped into action and bravely rugby-tackled a purse thief to the floor. Matthew Smith, aged 18, says he acted on instinct when he heard women shouting that her purse had been taken just as he was leaving the Asda Superstore at St. Martin's Court in Worcester. Mr Smith, a student at the heart of Worcestershire College, chased after the thief and tackled him to the ground from behind as he was running along Lowe's Moor. The thief dropped the purse and although he ran off again, he was stopped by a police a short while afterwards after running into the nearby Fulgate Street station. I was just walking out Asda with Asda my, with my missus when I heard a girl shouting, ''He's got my purse'' and I just dropped my bag immediately and ran after him before tackling to the floor said Mr Smith. How could I not act when I saw that what was happening? My missus said she was really proud of me and the victim was really thankful but I didn't really think anything of it. The main thing is that the purse got back to his owner. Police say the purse had been stolen from a laundrette in Lowsmore after a woman put it down on a table while she was doing her washing. The man then ran along Lowsmore before Mr Smith tackled him and the victim picked up the purse from the floor. The suspect was then seen running off into Fourgate Street train station by another witness who phoned the police. A search then took place at the station before the suspect was identified and arrested. PC Mark Boughton of the Cathedral Safer Neighbourhood Team in Worcester said, I will be giving Matthew a call to say thanks for what he did. We are very thankful for the help from members of the public. Anyone with information about the incident should call the police on... 101, quoting incident number 0278S140217. A man has been arrested and charged with the theft of a purse and will appear at Worcester Magistrates Court on Thursday, March the 2nd.
1: Okay, Saturday, February the 18th. And the headline is Mum's car be ambushed by bike gang. Uh, so the story's by Catherine Phillips. A gang of bike-riding youths are intimidating drivers in a spate of incidents in Worcester. They have surrounded one woman's car and opened the passenger door next to her terrified daughter, blocked roads to cars in the city and shouted abuse at pedestrians. The woman, who had her daughters aged five and two in the car, was ambushed on Bilford Road by four youths who began kicking and spitting at her car while shouting abuse. They brought traffic to a standstill by riding out into the middle of the road and could be responsible for several similar incidents across the city. The 26-year-old mother, who asked not to be named, was travelling from New Perdiswell Leisure Centre when she saw the group cycle straight into the road near the Premier Shop on Thursday at 5.30pm. They were all wearing black clothing and hats with all with hoods up, and she believes they were aged between 12 and 16. Another woman spotted eight youths aged between 12 and 15 at about 6.30pm on Rainbow Hill in the middle of the road, preventing traffic from passing. She said, I managed to drive past them to be greeted with them, making hand gestures and shouting abuse. It's very dangerous. There must have been about eight of them, but it was hard to see due to the clothing. The bikes had no light and they were in dark clothing. Rainbow Hill is a very busy road. Another mum said she was also surrounded by a group of teens whilst driving on Astwood Road near the cemetery last week. A group of four lads were cycling in the middle of the road. A car in front swerved to avoid them and then as I approached one deliberately turned to face me head on in the road. I had to slam on my brakes and beeped the horn. Then the rest shouted abuse at me and gave me the V's while I had my kids in the car. A man who did not want to be named believes that he may have seen the gang later on Thursday evening. "'I was walking up Angel Street about 7pm last night "'when I heard shouting and screaming as I passed the former co-op. "'I walked up the road to see a gang of about eight youths on bicycles "'careering around the junction of Angel Street and Foregate Street. "'They then blocked the road as a car tried to pass. "'They slowly made room as the car inched between them. "'As I passed the youths, a couple of them were shouting and swearing "'at a woman who had come over to speak to them about their behaviour. "'I was shocked at the ages of the youths. "'One of the ringleaders looked very young.' Their language was pretty offensive and they were very aggressive. They clearly would have intimidated some people. Police patrols will be looking to identify those involved and will be contacting schools. Kevin Purcell of the police force said, We are now moving into half-term. If you are a parent, please be aware of what your children are doing. These are described as young teenagers. They put themselves and others at risk. If caught committing public order offences, they are likely to be dealt with in a manner that could result in a criminal record.
2: Okay, so I have Monday the 20th of February, and the headline is Total Disaster. Uh, Warnings that the super village will kill shops, close close schools and cause jams. Um, So it's by Tom Edwards. A daring bid to water down a 2,150 home super village in West Worcester can stay be revealed. Amid serious concern, it will worsen congestion, damage businesses and force school closures. Proposals for a controversial new settlement next to Dine's Green are ploughing ahead in a radical overhaul which will change the face of St John, John's for a generation. But members of Worcester City Council's planning committee say key aspects of the village may need to be rethought before it goes further. The massive project includes a shopping centre, primary school, ten huge traveller pitches, sports facilities, a community hall, offices, takeaways and more. But questions are being asked about the viability of St John's Retail Centre if the new vision becomes reality. Worried councillors also say there are three existing primary schools nearby which face a battle for funding and are regularly undersubscribed with a new addition likely to only make matters worse. To make matters worse only, without the split infinitive. Um, The Super Village, um, known officially as the West Worcester Urban Extension, has already had a glut of developers draw up planning applications for separate parcels of the site off the Bromyard Road. The applications will technically be decided by Malvern Hills District Council as the site sits yards over the boundary, but Worcester City Council is being consulted on each one. One outlight planning application for 150 homes covering 7% of the site has recently been submitted by Spenhill by Spen Developments Ltd. Councillor Alan Amos said if we do this on a piecemeal basis, it's going to be a mishmash. It will be a total disaster. I want reassurances about how we're going to deal with congestion, traffic, parking. If we do a bit here, a bit there, I've got real concerns. St John's councillor Richard Uddle called for a proper bus service in the area and said he had serious school fears. Schools like Dines Green, St Clement and Albury Park primaries are underutilised and undersubscribed. A fourth school in the area will undermine, underfund and destroy our existing ones, he said. Councillor Chris Cawthorne says, Why build another school when we've got half-empty ones in St John's? And what about the impact on the St John's shopping area? The City Council is not objecting to the 150 homes bid, but is asking planning chiefs in Malvern for it to be consulted on all future planning application for the site.
4: Headline from Tuesday, February the 21st is Boris Bikes for the City? Question mark It's by Tom Edwards. An ambitious bid to ease congestion around Worcester could be launched, modelled on London's famous Boris Bike scheme. In the capital, people can pay £2 to pick up a bicycle from special docking stations around the city, using them to move around and park up securely. Now an attempt is being made to launch it in Worcester in an effort to get more cars off the road, ease pollution and encourage tourists. The hire scheme was introduced to London streets by the the then Mayor of London, Boris Johnson, in 2010, earning them the nickname Boris Bikes. The idea has come from Councillor Richard Udall, who says that clogged roads, tight boundaries and pleasant views make it the perfect place for a trial. The Worcester News can reveal how the suggestion has led to an enthusiastic response from Worcestershire County Council which is prepared to investigate it. There is also a hope that the sponsors can be found to fund docking stations dotted around the city. Councillor Udall said a few docking stations in the city centre, the Riverside, the University, in public parks but such as Cripplegate and in the Countryside Centre would help promote cycling, improve fitness and be good for tourism. I believe such a system would be useful and could generate much-needed income for the council. He also said County Hall had a legal duty to promote health and it could be a big winner in easing car jams. The proposal, known as Worcester Bikes, has led to a positive response from leading politicians. Councillor John Smith, Cabinet Member for Health and Wellbeing, said From a health perspective, we'd be quite prepared to look at it. It depends on where you would want people to cycle. To the university, into parts of the city, and then back around sounds like a good idea. We'd certainly be prepared to look at this. In London, there are a whopping 11,500 bicycles available at 750 docking stations, each one situated between 300 and 500 metres apart. The Boris bikes have had more than 57 million journeys and last year it rose 5% to hit an all-time record of 10.3 million. It also comes at a time when Worcestershire County Council is looking to install more cycle lanes down what it calls key corridors.
0: That's a fascinating story, isn't it? Okie dokie. Wednesday, February 22nd. Headline is Cathedral in Tourist Top 10. And there's a beautiful photograph of Worcester Cathedral when the river is just under flood in the beginning of the spring last year, I think it is. Subheading, City Landmark is voted one of the UK's most popular visitor attractions. The top ten attractions are The Lake District, Peak District Hills, Brighton Pier, Hadrian's Wall, Newquay's Beaches, Scarborough Beach, Royal Air Force Museum at Cosford, Dirdledore, no, I've never heard of that place, uh, Worcester Cathedral, and Tenth Equal, uh, Kingsland Beaches and Falls. OK, the main story by Hannah Wall is... Worcester Cathedral has been named amongst the country's top ten tourist attractions. The centuries-old building, home of the tombs of King John and Prince Arthur, is the nation's ninth favourite free-to-visit attraction according to a new survey by National Express Coaches. That places it ahead of attractions such as Roman Wall of St Albans in Hertfordshire, Wells Cathedral in Somerset, and the Titanic Walking Tour in Southampton. The list is topped by the Lake District in Cumbria, Hadrian's Wall featuring the top uh, five. Worcester Cathedral also came top in a separate list, of the country's favorite cathedrals, last year it welcomed more than three hundred and eighteen thousand visitors through the doors, in addition to those who attended the, serv- the in addition to those attending services, Les West Stewart at Worcester Cathedral said, "We are very pleased to be voted number nine of the best free attractions to visit in the country by national express coaches." It is very important to us, as we strive to give our visitors as good an experience as we can, can, both on their first visit and on many return visits. We provide many different things, including the building's outstanding beauty, historical experience and importance, but we also put out a lot of activities for all ages as part of our visitor experience. It is nice to be recognised that we are doing a good job. Visitors can visitors to the cathedral can explore the ancient structure alone or take a guided tour, while those with a head for heights can scramble the 235 steps to the tower. It did not say that's on Saturday mornings only, I believe. Interactive information boards are in place in the main building and crypt, while the tech-savvy guests can download a trail app on their mobile phones to learn about the cathedral's history. There's no end of incredible sights to soak up in Worcestershire for free, but we hope the list inspires people to visit somewhere new. And as you probably recall, we had the Bishop in Worcester here with us last year, and he was most fascinating character with some of the stories he came out with. Um, well worth a visit, I can assure you. Now, Charlotte, do you have another one to read? Or yeah. One? Thursday,
3: February 23rd. I... Uh, I saw attack by hammer gang by Sam Greenway. A man was attacked by a gang carrying hammers and screwdrivers in Worcester. The incident happened at about 9.20pm on Tuesday evening at Back Lane, South Barbourne. Police are calling the attack concerning but say they believe it was an isolated incident and there is no wider risk to the public. A witness who did not want to be named said, I was watching a crime show on Netflix when I heard shouting and swearing. I realised it couldn't be coming from the film and that it was from outside. I looked out the window. There was a gang, all wearing balaclavas. One had a claw hammer, another one had a screwdriver. There was a lot of blood. They ran off to the Swan Theatre and left the flat, dialed 999 and chased after one, but stopped in my tracks when I realised he had a hammer and I thought, what am I doing? The police arrived. There was about 15 to 20 coppers. I have never seen so many police in my life. The witness said the road was closed until around 3.45am on Wednesday when the road was reopened by police. Police say they responded to reports of a public order incident in which seven men are reported to have assaulted a 23-year-old man, leaving him with minor injuries. They are described as white in their 30s and all wearing dark clothing. Inspector Andy Holliday, who is leading the investigation, said, This is undoubtedly a concerning incident for the victim as well as the local community, but I would like to offer my assurances that the incident will be investigated thoroughly. There is no evidence at this stage to suggest any wider threat to the public and in the incident is being dealt with as a targeted and isolated assault. Anyone with any information should call police on 101, quoting incident number 721S, on February the 21st.
0: Worcestershire County Council has appointed a specialist rail contractor to build the proposed <coughs> railway station at Parkway. Buckingham Group, which has over 60 years' experience, has been awarded the design and build contract. The scheme was given the stamp of approval by the Department of Transport at the end of January. Once open, Worcestershire Parkway will enable passengers to use the county's vital North Cotswold Rail Link from Worcester to Oxford and London Paddington, as well as catch regular long-distance cross-country services to Manchester, Nottingham, Bristol and Cardiff. Located at Norton, just east of the M5 Junction 7, the new station will create... Between a bus, Do you know, that is really badly written, it's all over the place. Okay, the, the new station will create a hub uh, for bus, road, and cycle routes uh, and move some of the problems from the centre of Worcester. Worcestershire Parkway is a major player in the country's future economic prosperity, which is why we need a specialist contractor we can trust to deliver the scheme to time and budget. Buckingham Group's reputation and experience in the rail sector is evident and we are delighted to have them on board. And it doesn't say who said that. The business case for a new station is clear. Worcestershire Parkway will provide around 500 car parking spaces which will help alleviate parking issues at local stations whilst improving congestion. My ski trip with
3: Eddie the Eagle by Gary bills A Ledbury man who helped winter sports legend Eddie the Eagle Edwards to perform on the ski jump last year will join the Olympic hero for a very special skiing event in March. The gathering looks looks set to be an all-time world record on behalf of a cancer charity. Rob Stewart of Macefield Avenue is a former professional skier and is currently a full-time ski writer. He got to know the eagle well last year when he helped the winter Olympian to relieve his glory days by being part of Eddie's team in the French Alps. Not only did Eddie fly again, Eddie also coached five would-be ski jumpers who had won a competition for the honour. Mr. Stewart, aged 46, who has himself been skiing for 35 years, has nothing but praise for the man who in 1988 became the first competitor since 1929 to represent Great Britain in Olympic ski jumping. Eddie the Eagle finished 73rd out of 73 competitors in the 70 metre and the 90 metre events and he was portrayed in the British media as the quintessential plucky outsider. But Eddie, who has been since become the subject of a feature film, still, still became the British record holder. Mr Stewart said, Eddie is a very good skier and he always enjoys ski jumping. I know him quite well. I've spent quite a lot of time with him in the past year. He's just like you expect him to be. He's a really nice chap. In March, Mr Stewart will be in Austria with Eddie for a new challenge. Skiers and fundraisers will gather at Selbach with the aim of breaking a world record for getting the most amount of people ever skiing, the equivalent of the height of Mount Everest, in one day, a distance of 8,848 metres. Eddie, the charity's patron, is the figurehead for the fundraising drive. Mr Stewart said he's so famous even people in Austria know who he is. Because of Mr. Stewart's experience, he will attempt to ski the equivalent of two Mount Everests in a day. Organisers are hoping that up to 500 people will take part in the challenge. The fundraising will be for the charity Ski for Cancer, which provides an alpine respite, days and short breaks for British families affected by cancer. Further details on the challenge are available at skiforcancer.org.
1: OK, so my story's from Friday, February 17th. And the headline of it is, I'll shoot first and ask questions later. And it's got a picture of a very menacing looking farmer. Um, and the story's by Sally Boyce. Concerns over a steep rise in sheep worrying by dogs are forcing one Herefordshire farmer to get tough. Horrifying attacks on animals kept on land at Newburn Farm near Kington have left a trail of misery for farmer William Laurie whose sheep have been killed or maimed in a series of cases over the last few years. Taking advice from police, Mr. Lorry has issued a warning that dogs seen attacking any sheep on the 600-acre farm will be shot. It's been a constant problem for the last few years, said Mr. Lorry, whose family has farmed at Newburn Farm for over 30 years. The most recent case of sheep worrying has persuaded him to take a tougher line. This is the first time I've felt compelled to issue this warning, he said. Since since Kington has expanded, the problem has got worse. There have been a wave of similar attacks across the county and dog owners have been urged to keep their pets under control. While he has absolutely no intention of walking his land carrying a gun, he said he would reserve the right to shoot any loose dog chasing sheep in his fields. People have suggested not putting sheep out there, but that is really not an option, he said. While the farm was in a unique position because of its close proximity to the town, he said that the problem had only developed in the last few years. Mr. Lorry reported a recent case of two terriers attacking his sheep. Four sheep had to be put down and others were maimed, he said. The flock was absolutely terrorised. When we went in amongst the sheep, they grouped around us for safety and they were terrified.
2: Okay, so my story is... You saved my life. Um, And it's about someone who had 27 heart attacks in 24 hours and who has said he owes his life to medical staff at a Worcester hospital. Uh, Ray Woodall, taken ill during a walking football match in Kidderminster, says he would not be here today but for the brilliant staff at Worcester Royal Hospital in Worcester. The 54-year-old was told by the medics they had never heard of anyone dying so many times, yet living to tell the tale. He has since been reunited with the team which saved his life, including cardiologists, the ward manager, a healthcare assistant, radiologist, staff nurse, and a specialised cardiophysiologist. He felt a slight chest pain on December the 17th last year while playing for Hartshill Strollers in an over-50s walking, tournament, walking football tournament in Kidderminster. A spectator called 999 and Mr Woodall was given morphine strapped to a stretcher in his kit and taken to hospital in Worcester. During his stay, he had two stents put into his artery through his right wrist. As he continued to suffer heart attacks, his family were told he might not make it through the night and that even if he lived, he might suffer brain damage. The team led by cardiologists Dr. Deepak Goyle and Dr. David Smith um, gave Mr. Woodall coronary angioplasty. Mr. Woodall of Wensbury said, I'm so grateful for everyone at the Worcester Royal. They were brilliant with me. Um, and... The consultant interventional cardiologist, um, Deepak Goyal, says we are proud to provide a 24-7 emergency heart attack service for Worcestershire and our neighbouring counties. The team of six skilled staff were activated and called in out of hours so he could be treated immediately with an emergency procedure to reopen his blocked coronary artery via a tube passed up through his arm. He had unstable cardiac rhythms requiring defibrillation prior to the procedure and despite successful procedure he suffered multiple cardiac arrests needing further multiple defibrillations and required further stabilisation treatment and intervention including insertion of an aortic pump device via his leg. The doctor says he was mobilising after 48 hours and discharged after just 6 days and we are delighted to see he has made such a good recovery. Um, And then he praises the merits of the local service, um, without which he may not have survived, saying, chest pain is not a symptom to ignore. Um, And then we have matron Claire Alexander and cardiology staff nurse um, um, saying that uh, they're very glad to see him back in such great shape after a short period of time. Yeah, sorry.
4: My um, story comes from Tuesday, February the 21st, and it says the headline is Man Texting on the Motorway. The story's by James Connell. A band driver was texting on his mobile phone and ignored police as they tried to pull him over on the motorway at Worcester. Convicted robber Lorenzo Genus was spotted by police looking down at his mobile while driving southbound between junctions 6 and 7 of the M5. The 25-year-old had already admitted driving while disqualified, without insurance, failing to stop and a handheld mobile phone offence when he appeared at Worcester Crown Court. Genus already had three convictions for driving while disqualified. He had also been banned from driving until February seventeenth, two 2019 and had to complete an extended driving retest because of a dangerous driving conviction. Police had spotted him driving a Vauxhall Astra. Charles Hamer, prosecuting, said they overtook him and they noticed he was using a mobile phone. He had it in his right hand and as far as they could tell, he was either reading a text or typing something. Officers indicated he should stop and both vehicles left the motorway at Junction 7, but Gina's pulled back onto the motorway. The car was being driven erratically and narrowly missed another vehicle. Genus had 28 convictions for 67 offences, including three convictions for robbery, theft, burglary and going equipped. Kevin Saunders, defending, said, There's no shying away from the fact that this defendant is heavily convicted. Judge Dooley said, For someone so young, you have an appalling record. I'm going to take a chance and you won't get another one. You are not fit to be on the roads. He sentenced him to five months in prison, suspended for two years and extended his driving ban by another 12 months until 2020.
0: What an amazing story. If I was there, I would have locked the judge up for passing a a lenient sentence like that, but never mind. Let's follow on the road aspect, shall we? Headline is No Link Road Until 2030 and this is... uh, ...by two sparring politicians, Ken Pollock and Councillor Udall. And so you can imagine the fun in the council chamber when this was going on. I'll start. A leading politician says he expects Worcester's Northern Relief Road... ...to be complete at some stage in the future. Insisting the county council's leadership does want it to happen. Councillor Ken Pollock, Tory cabinet member in charge of infrastructure has reignited the debate about completing the city's ring road by saying the leadership support the idea. But he says it will have to wait beyond 2030 and that it will cost twice as much as the £70 million bid for the bid to dual the Carrington Bridge. Proposals for a northern link around Worcester emerged in 2010, When the council revealed drawings showing a new crossing near Beverly Island but the cost estimated at well over a hundred million at the time led to county hall focusing on other road improvements including the current 45 million duelling of most of the a4440 a campaign to get the northern link in place has grown since then both from frustrated commuters And County Hall's opposing Labour group. Councillor Pollock was questioned about it during a full council meeting where he was challenged to offer some hope to fed up drivers. Councillor Richard Oodle, who chairs the Labour group, told him people in the city want answers. Councillor Pollock replied, You'll be aware we've applied for money to dual Carrington Bridge a 70 million bid to the government. In consequence, it's very difficult to imagine that we can give you a commitment that we'll go ahead with the Northern Link Road, which will cost twice as much and involve an awful lot more work. A commitment from a council which has no money, saying we'll do it, is vacuous and and not necessarily very helpful. Clearly, we support the idea of completing the Ring Road at some stage in the future, but I think you would have to say this would only occur post 2030. Under the 2010 plans, the Northern Link Road would have would have run from the A449 Plains Roundabout to the A44 the A44 Crown East Island. Councillor Uddel, who represents St John's, said, "People are demanding it, and people want it." Yes. A
3: uh, day to remember as Claire gets MBE by Gurdip Thandi. Delighted Kidderminster golden girl Claire Cashmore was left overwhelmed as she collected her MBE from Prince Charles last week. Claire, who brought home gold and silver in the 2016 Paralympic Games in Rio, made a trip to Buckingham Palace where she was presented with her medal on Friday, February 17th. The 28-year-old, who only sorted out her dress for the occasion the day before, shared her special day with her mum, Tina, and her sisters, Emma and Ashling. But Claire didn't have time to celebrate the day too much, as she had to travel up to Sheffield to compete in her university championships. She said it was an amazing day and it was totally overwhelming to be in the palace. It was a bit embarrassing at first because I had my rucksack with me, ready to travel to Sheffield later. I was very nervous as much as I was before my races at the Paralympics. They told, they talked you through the whole procedure, but went to curtsy and to call Prince Charles, your Royal Highness. But it was a wonderful day, and it was great to share it with my mum and my sisters. Their Paralympic medals and this MBE is, is much for them and everyone else who have been with me and supported me all the way. Claire has previously met the Queen, Princess Kate and Princess William and Harry and found Prince Charles equally knowledgeable about her achievements. She said he was really nice and very personable. Okay, so this is from Wednesday,
1: February 22nd, and the um, heading on the story is Solve Riddle of Shakespeare's Marriage. Visitors to Worcester this weekend can take a romantic tour and try to unravel the mystery of Shakespeare's marriage. The archives at the Hive in Sawmill Walk hold the marriage bond of William Shakespeare, an associated entry in the Bishop's Register, but a discrepancy hints at a mystery. Shakespeare's grandfather's will will also be on display at the library. The items will form part of a Tudor tour which will also include other 16th century treasures, such as pottery from the period found during digs in the county. The tour takes place between 2pm and 3.30pm on Saturday as part of the Love Worcester Festival. Visitors will be told about the visit of Queen Elizabeth I to Worcester and see the preparations in the city's records and illuminated documents of the period can also be seen. Paul Hudson, outreach manager, said Shakespeare's marriage bond is just one of many Tudor items we have in our collections and we thought this period would be great for a behind-the-scenes tour. It is a fascinating period in history and we have some amazing items in the collections here. Places need to be booked in advance and cost £6 per person visit thehiveworster.org or email explorethepast at worcestershire.gov.uk or call 01905
2: And my article is from February 17th, last Friday, um, and it's entitled John Will Help Kids in Zambia with Sport by Catherine Phillips. A student will spend four months in Zambia educating and improving young people's lives through sport. John Nottingham from Fernal Heath and currently studying at Cardiff Metropolitan University, will spend his summer working as a project manager for a sport development project. The role will see him leading a team of 30 British university students working at school placement sites and in the community of some of the most deprived areas of Lusaka, the capital of Zambia. They will educate pupils through sport and increase the provision of sport at a community level to enhance the lives of young people who otherwise live in very poor living conditions. The former Blessed Edward student is very excited about the opportunity, saying, Having spent six weeks out in Zambia in 2015, I fell in love with the place, the people and the project. Just the smile on the young people's faces are so infectious, you instantly appreciate the difference we are making to their lives. I can say that because of this project, I have changed my plan for what I want to do after my degree, have gained invaluable life skills and an experience which I treasure for the rest of my life. The 21-year-old is looking to fundraise £1,000 to help with his travels and allow him to take extra equipment out for some of the poorest communities in the city. He is set to fly out at the end of May and return at the start of October. He is running numerous fundraising f- fundraisers, and anyone who would like to support him on his venture can donate at gogetfunding.com/project-manager-volunteer-Zambia.
4: My story is entitled "Such Good News If Pret Comes Here" by Catherine Phillips. Upmarket Market Cafe branch, Pret a Manger is hoping to open a branch in Worcester City Centre. Plans have been submitted to the City Council to transform the former Santander Bank on the corner of High Street and St Swithin Street into a Pret. The decision is expected at the start of next month. Jobs are already being advertised on Pret's website, including a front-of-house leader and kitchen leader. Plans for the Grade 2 listed building include a large customer sales area and two areas of customer seating. On the first floor there will be further seating accessed by a new staircase at the back of the building. The news that Pret may be coming to the city has been met with delight by Worcester news readers. Unlike some of the other cafes and coffee shops Pret offers a range of healthy options including salads. Importantly for many this includes several gluten-free options. Most cafes add pasta or croutons to their salads. They also have a great ethical approach to business. Fingers crossed this gets approved. The chopster wrote, Look forward to trying there. Makes a change from a Costa coffee and somewhere lies nice to sit for lunch.
0: Making me feel peckish. Okie dokie. I'll now read out what happened uh, this week. In 1678, Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress was published. Nineteen thirty. American astronomer Clyde Tobar discovered the planet Pluto from a series of pictures taken from the previous month at Lowell's Observatory. 1947, Louis Manbatten was appointed the last Viceroy of India, and you'll see a, 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 the film's just come out of that. The soundtrack should be interesting. The same day that the government announced the British would leave India in June, by June 1948. 1962, Astronaut John Glenn became the first American to orbit when he circled the Earth three times in Mercury Seven capsule in 19, oh, 1836, The American Army laid siege to the Alamo in San Antonio, Texas. You can tell I've watched a lot of John Wayne, can't you, on that one? Um, 1920, the first regular broadcasting service in Britain started from Marconi's studio in Chelmsford. The 30 minute programme was transmitted twice daily. In 1950, election results were first televised. And there, that is the end of the stories. And we'll start in a few minutes on the sport.
3: Okay, so Friday, February the 17th, Cricket, cash boost for groundwork. County Chief Executive Tom Scott praised Worcestershire Supporters Association after their latest contribution to improving new roads infrastructure. The inter- the association donated £15,000 for county head groundsman Tim Packwood to purchase items on his 2017 wish list. It has been used to buy sheeting to cover the main square, slide sheets to hook onto, wheeled covers, and new cover tops, as well as the electric mower. Scott said, "I am really pleased with the continuing developments of the relationship with the supporters' association. It is a worthy cause, and I've insisted their money is spent on the infrastructure around the ground." They are continuing to invest in areas of the ground that really need updating and I am very pleased with the way it is going. The most recent donation has contributed to Tim's list of things to do and they should be um, reorganised for the good work they are doing. Packwood said, as I do every year, I come up with a wish list for items that are required. I'm very grateful they've come and, and said that money is available Association Chairman Andrew Jenkins said we've heard him was looking to replace replace or bring in certain items and we were pleased to be able to contribute towards the sheeting and the new mower. We will always do our best to help out where financially possible with any project infrastructure at New Road subject to the approval of the committee and it is good to have a flourishing relationship with the club.
1: Okay, so this one is titled Wheeling to Victory and it's from Wednesday the 22nd of February. There's a big picture of the University of Worcester's Wheelchair Basketball Society team. Um, National wheelchair basketball champions from Worcester are gearing up to wheel all the way to Manchester for a chance to retain their title. They are joining up with fellow University of Worcester students and staff for a fundraising challenge to push wheelchairs on treadmills for up to eight hours in a bid to cover the 111 mile distance to the northwest city. The self-funded university team need the cash to pay for the trip to the British Wheelchair Basketball University.
2: Okay, so my article is entitled Stars Happy to be Underdogs. It's about the new seven-stars netball team for the uh, University of Worcester. Um, head coach Mona Gerard says she is happy for seven stars to take the underdog tag in their debut Vitality Super League campaign. The University of Worcester Arena professional netball side begin their first season with a trip to defending champions, Surrey Storm, today at 7pm. This is taken from the 18th of February, um, Saturday. Um, The eagerly awaited evening encounter at Surrey Sports Park, Guildford, will also end more than four months of preparation for stars who launched last summer. Gerard says she is excited for her players to make history for the Worcester-based club and hopes they get off to a positive start. Assistant, Assistant coach Sam Bird... Um, the other coaches and I have been preparing for this moment for just over four months, she said. I'm excited for the club and the girls who are going to make history playing the first ever game for the Seven Stars. But what I really want is for the players to be really competitive as a group, and the only way we can do that is by getting the individuals in the team to give everything they have got for each other on the court. Fellow new franchise Wasps are five to two favourites with Skybet to win the regular season, while Manchester Thunder, Surrey and Team Barth are also tipped to make strong challenges for the title. But Gerard, who won 68 caps for Australia, believes it is difficult to predict who will finish in the top four, but that it will be a really competitive season. Um, she says, I guess the history in the competition gives Surrey an advantage in terms of how long they've been in the franchise and they've got the systems in place, but I'm happy to take the underdog tag. England international Laura Malcolm, 25, will hope to overcome an ankle problem to lead the team after being appointed Stars skipper.
4: My story uh, is from Thursday the 23rd of February, that's today, um, and the headline is National Last 32 for Blessed's Basketball Boys. Blessed Edward Olcorn College boys under-14s reached the National Basketball Last Thirty-two. The Worcester hosts beat Rawlins Academy from Corn 81-52 in the first regional round as the school reached the furthest stage in their history. They will visit Moseley Park from Wolverhampton or Lode Heath from Solihull in the second round. Jacob Solverson was voted most valuable player with 53 points to single-handedly outscore the Leicestershire opponents. Blesseds extended the lead to twenty by the end of the third quarter, and Rawlin's late three-point rally proved unsuccessful.
0: (coughs) Excuse me. Head in here. Blow for batsman. Batsman Tom Kohler-Cadmore has been ruled out of Worcestershire's pre-season tour after dislocating his shoulder. Kohler-Cadmore has undergone shoulder surgery after suffering an injury while playing grade cricket abroad this winter. The former Malvern College pupil won't be involved in the pre-season tour of Abu Dhabi, which gets underway on March the 9th. But Director of Cricket Steve Rhodes is confident that Kola Cadmore will be available for the opening County Championship Division Two match of the campaign at LaMorgan starting April the 14th. Kola Cadmore, 22, <clears throat> won the Walter Lawrence tro- Trophy for scoring the fastest century of last summer against Durham in the NatWest tw- T20 Blast. <coughs> Excuse me. Rhodes said, Tom has required an operation. He, a, he has had a dislocation of his shoulder. Although he will miss the Abu Dhabi trip, we will expect him to be pushing for a selection for our first championship game. He will play some cricket in the warm-up games and he may, may not miss any competitive cricket at all. Pastman George Scrimshaw is not part of the squad for the Abu Dhabi as he continues his rehabilitation from back problem.
3: OK, so Monday, February 20th, um, round-up. Um, Herdman helps GB to final in New Zealand. A Worcestershire driver was in a five-man Great Britain Lions team as they finished runners-up for the second row in a, against Hawke's Bay Hawkeys, the New Zealand Superstock Team Championships. Inkborough's Bry SCA F1 stock driver Ben Herdman was involved with the finalists who had only been together as a team for one event the weekend before, but then beat opposition in their own backyard that compete regularly. With Fairhurst winning both races, Alliance faced Gisborne, Giants and fellow Bry SCA, F1 star, Tom Harris in the semi-final. Lions put in a masterclass of teams racing to demolish giants with Herman winning comfortably after Main-Gisbon threatened Peter Rees was forced to pull off with excess damage to his car late on. We were the underdogs against Gisbon and smashed them out of the stadium, said Herdman. We pulled together well as a team. In a brutal 15-lap final, Hawkeys focused on trying to neutralise the threat of Wayman Jr. and did enough to hinder his progress, badly damaging a rear-wheeled guard. Despite the setback, setback Fairhurst took the lead in the early stages. With hits flying in from all around the track, Hawke's Bay locked Furhurst to allow Thomas Stanway to go to the front. The New Zealander stretched his lead to more than a lap of the quarter mile oval. The writing was on the wall for the Lions when Waymans Jr.'s badly damaged car also suffered a fuel pump problem in the closing stages. The only hope for Team GB in the winner takes all event was if Fairhurst could catch the run- runway leader. But victory was all but lost when the Bolton driver was pinned up against the wall with two laps to go by Hawkey's Jason Long. The red flags came out, and on the restart, despite a valiant effort from Herdman and Griffin, who were way down on laps, Hawkeys took the flag and the championship for a second successful year. Okay, so
1: this story is from Wednesday, February 22nd, uh, and it's titled Black Belts Joy for Duo. Two Worcester 11 year olds have been rewarded for their hard work with karate black belts Oliver Tibbetts and Will Hubert attend RGS The Grange, where they are instructed by experienced martial arts ace, Tony Johnson. Tibbetts' mother, Terry, said Oliver and Will have shown real dedication to learning the art. Master Johnson has the highest expectations for our children, teaching respect and self-discipline. The boys wanted to achieve their black belt before leaving year six, and they have done it, with Master Johnson supporting these aspirations." Gilbert's mother, Victoria, said what started as an after-school club has developed into a popular, well-attended club with many committed children working towards their gradings. Oliver and Will began in Year 3 working from white belt all the way through to their black belt. The boys are over the moon with this achievement. It is wonderful for their self-esteem and confidence. The black belt requires both physical and mental strength and endurance and is very demanding, Oliver and Will are very grateful to Master Johnson for his continued commitment and travelling across the country to teach his classes to students in Worcester, Wales and Formby.
4: This um, piece is from Tuesday, February 21st and is entitled Northern Final for City's Girls. Worcester girls under-15s looked a Northern Area Cup final with Leek after winning 38-12 against a combined Manchester and Ellesmere Port team. Their semi final success at Manchester RFC, Cheadle Hume, continued the team's stunning transformation after struggling to win a game just one year ago. Plenty of hard work, enthusiasm, and practice this season has helped them become one of the strongest sides in the region. The final will be on March the 5th at the neutral venue of Lichfield. Winning their own scrum was to execute a training ground switch flora- followed by a blistering run from Caitlin Parker, who was unlucky not to score. The final try of the game came from an interception from Manns, who ran two-thirds of the field before converting her own try.
0: Well, <clears throat> thank you, Fiona, for that. There's a wide selection of sport this week. Let's now go on to our radio, shall we? Uh, let's start with Charlotte again for Saturday.
3: OK, so Saturday the 25th, um, I've chosen uh, Radio 3 at 6 p.m., um, it says Opera on three, live from the Met, um, and it's a version of the Little Mermaid fairy tale, but with a very dark undercurrents. Devork's Ruscula is justly celebrated for its haunting song to the moon, the Met's new production stars, the first this fine la- Soprano Christina Opolopoulos as the water nymph who yearns to become a human in order to earn the love of a prince. With American mezzo Jamie Barton, winner of the 2013 BBC Cardiff Singer of the World competition, as the witch, um, Sir Mark Elder conducts this glittering ear masterpiece. Okay, so uh,
1: Sunday, the 26th of f- um, February. Uh, I've chosen at 9pm on Classic FM Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Classical Music Um, Ahead of tonight's 89th Annual Academy Awards in Los Angeles Catherine Bott showcases classical composers who have won Oscars and or BAFTAs from Corngold, Copland and Arnold to Philip Glass, Tan Dunn and Richard Rodney Bennett I chose that because I don't really know anything about classical music so I think that sounds quite interesting
2: Um, The one I've chosen is from the 27th of February, which is Monday, Um, and it's also on Radio 3. Um, It's the essay, Burgess at 100. Um, It's on at 10.45pm. So Radio 3 continues its celebration of the polymath, Anthony Burgess, with five essays by fellow writers, some of whom knew him in person. Uh, The essays offer personal as well as critical insight into why Burgess is such an important literary figure, and why most of them make reference to A Clockwork Orange. It is staggering to find out how many other pro- projects um, Burgess worked on. He was, for example, fluent in ten foreign languages, an expert on both James Joyce and William Shakespeare, and composed music for Yehudi Minuhin. What a man!
4: My programme is on Tuesday, February the 28th um, and it's actually a programme that's on every morning at two minutes to six in the morning. And it's only on for two minutes. It's got to be the shortest programme on the radio and it's called Tweet of the Day. And next Tuesday it's the House Sparrow and it teaches you to identify all the different birds. And I really wished when I was younger that I'd bothered to listen to my parents. So I shall be listening to the House Sparrow Next Tuesday at two minutes to six.
0: That's interesting. <clears throat> We've got a family of house sparrows who've just sort of found our bird feeders, uh, but we don't have any starlings, and I haven't seen much starling in our garden for years. Okay, <clears throat> uh, Wednesday, March the 1st, and don't forget, February's only got 28 days this year, so we're into Wednesday the 1st. I'm going to cheat, I'll have two here. Um, 12 04 on. Uh, Radio four, Bob Marley survived assassination attempt. And that sounds jolly interesting. And then my other one, totally and utterly different, <clears throat> still on the musical theme, is at six o'clock on the Asian network, six AM, Tommy Sandu with Chat, Guests and Bangra Hits. And they're really good. You want to try it in your car really, and wind the windows down. It really upsets people at traffic jams. Doesn't <laughs> Okie okay, dokie. Now here we have an interesting point coming up and Fiona's already going red, waiting for the introductions. Now, guest speaker time. I've known Fiona for a number of years and I've always been amazed by her stamina. I could go on for hours telling you what she's done However, she would get totally embarrassed. So all I'm going to say is that apart from being an achiever, she's a very reliable <clears throat> deliverer, for which many people are extremely grateful. Over to you, Fiona.
4: Thank you. Well, I've lived in Worcester. I think I've lived in Worcester for longer than you, actually. I've, I've lived here for 31 years now. And... Um,
0: how old's Hannah? She's about yeah, yeah, the yeah, same. About
4: the same. Yeah. And um, so I've lived here for 31 years. Um, I've had four children that have been all born and brought up in Worcester. And I was, when I first moved here, I was a health visitor. Um, and so I worked in the um, Tolodyne, Warnden, Bronxwood, that kind of area. And then I was an NHS manager for many, many years. Um, I stopped doing that shortly after I had my fourth child because it was just too hard. And since then, I have run a business with my husband. Um, But I've always had a few other things on the go as well. And um, I'll tell you about two of them. About uh, ten years ago, or eight years ago, there was a... um, surgeon that works at the Worcester Royal Hospital who had children at the same school as my youngest and um, he asked me if I'd help him raise some money for a new breast unit in Worcester and I said yeah I'll do that as if you know when someone says tea or coffee I'll have a tea Mm -hmm. without even thinking about how difficult the job was going to be and the reason we wanted a new breast unit was because when the, new, when the hospital was built, which is about... I don't, I can't remember now, it's about 18 years ago now, I think. There was no provision in there for breast surgery. Most people went to Birmingham to be looked after. And so um, in, in the intervening years, they'd employed three breast surgeons, but there were no facilities in the hospital. So women that went with um, a breast lump... I say women, there's the odd man as well. But women that went with a breast lump had a journey of about two miles around the hospital. They had to go to this department, take the clothes off, do that, put their clothes on again, go and see the radiologist, take the clothes off, put the clothes on again. And um, another thing that I think people don't think about was that we often, one of the clinics shared the waiting room with the urologists, so that's men with, mainly men with prostate problems and if you um, have a bad diagnosis if you have a diagnosis of breast cancer um, in the old hospital in the hospital you have to walk out back through the waiting room so everyone can see oh she's had bad news and I I mean it's okay but it's not it's not the standard for now so we wanted I mean there were two things we wanted we wanted somewhere um, that was um, a much nicer environment and we also wanted it to be separate and to give patients a good um, experience. And I think one of the most important things was that uh, probably out of 10 women that go with a breast lump, nine women won't have cancer. They'll just have a breast lump. Everyone that goes to the breast unit thinks they've got cancer. And the aim was that in the unit, it's a one-stop shop, so you go there for your appointment, and by the time you leave, you know whether you're OK or not. So rather than having to go back and say, oh, I think I think you actually need to see so-and-so, and can you come back in three weeks' time, the day you go, you know whether you're OK or not. And so most people go out with a happy face, actually. So we set about um, raising the money that was needed to build this new unit and it took us a very long time. The newspaper were absolutely fantastic Um, and we started really just before the recession. So first of all the recession hit us and Worcester's a small place. Worcestershire's a small place. It's not a rich city and we've also got quite a few well-established charities in Worcester that all of us support. So I don't think any of us would not support the hospice. Acorns for children. There's um, things like St Paul's Hostel for the homeless. There are lots of very worthy charities. So we were having to muscle in and make them make room for us in Worcester. But we did it. And a year ago, just a year ago, yesterday actually, the Worcestershire Breast Unit opened and it is up... Um, in, a, in a quiet little corner of the hospital, it's got its own parking, which for people... If you've ever been to the hospital in Worcestershire, yes, it's, it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely terrible. Um, in fact, I think that's one of the most stressful things about going to... The, if you've got an appointment there, you can't get a car park. You think, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late. I'm gonna be late. Yeah, it's that's awful. And it's absolutely gorgeous. It does not feel like the NHS. Um, all the... I mean, I don't know why the NHS only use white or pale green paint. I mean, you know, yeah.
3: co- and, and, for example... It's scary what? when you walk down the corridor. It's terrible. It. Yeah. I, scared. I feel scared when I go into the hospital.
4: You see it's quite pale and it's... Like, Pinnacle. Yeah. It's just not like that. And we've got um, all the soft furnishings in the waiting areas. They're all comfy chairs. And they're all different colours, and they're all round table, next to tables. There's a coffee machine, fresh coffee machine. You can have nice coffee. There's a telly on. Um, It's just lovely, and the whole place feels absolutely fantastic. So we raised a million and a half pounds and got that done. So I was really pleased with that. Um, And the other thing I was going to tell you about is being a magistrate. So... I, start, it my list. I started um, being a magistrate about ooh, 12 years ago now I can't remember why, I did it actually um, but that's a very interesting bit of <coughs> my life in fact I was magistrating today and I do two areas of work um, I do criminal work so we see, um, I mean every magistrate's a lay person I'm not a, soli- I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a solicitor And it's really, uh, when I say rough justice by your peers, any three sensible people can be a magistrate. You obviously have um, a legal advisor there who um, can tell you whether what you're doing is um, lawful or not. And you have a book of guidelines. So, I mean, you can't send somebody... You can't do things that are inappropriate, but you do have guidelines about what uh, you can... You can what punishment you can give to people, and most of the people we see. I mean, I was doing a criminal court today. Um, most of the people have had very, very sad and tragic lives. I'm not making excuses for them, there's some very naughty boys around, but they've often come from families where the um, you'll probably see this being a teacher. Um, so for example, if you are. I remember very clearly this actually. There was a boy that was about 22 and he and his girlfriend were moving into a flat together um, because I think they were having a baby or something like that and they hadn't got enough money to furnish the flat. So dad says, I know what we'll do. We'll go out in my van and we'll go to PC World and we'll knit what we can and then we'll sell it down the pub. Now, most of us listen to our parents for advice and if that's what you get from your father, no. what, what um, hope is ridiculous. there for you? Yes. What it's hope ridiculous. is there
3: and got,
4: yeah and the other problem that we see and I saw a lot of this today is that um, there are the problems with drugs and alcohol are absolutely endemic i don't think people have any idea how much people drink and people and and the drugs that are available every everywhere um, and I'm sure i'm not the only one that notices that um, something that I think's happened in the last few years is that people openly smoke cannabis in the street now. Mm. Don't they? You can smell it. it. You can smell it.
3: You can walk down I've walked down several streets since moving here in September and I'm like, I actually think they are smoking that. They are right there. And I'm like, how is that possible? I'm like, I'm surely there is going to be like a policeman or something gonna walk around the corner and but you can just smell it. If you stand in the right place for too long you can almost get
4: high without smoking anything. Yes. (laughs) But it's um again so it and a lot of people are are very very sad, and if they've had, um, uh, you know, a, 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 a heroin habit that has meant that they have to, you know, it's they say it's a full time job to feed a serious heroin habit, a full time job pinching, stealing mm-hmm. enough stuff to um, feed your habit, there. and so we don't also, you find that people bounce in and out of the court system, and they probably then bounce in and out of A and E, and they bouncing in and out of social services, and there's no, there doesn't seem to be a a, a a a way of sorting out their fundamental problem, so that they can then go off and live um, a, a sensible life. So I saw one young man today, and he was probably only 29. He was um, a, a crack cocaine addict, and he was living in St Paul's hostel. And, I mean, obviously, well, we didn't get an opportunity to talk to him, but he must have been tossed out. His mother probably said, get out, I don't want to... And so he's living, you know, if they're not sofa-surfing, they're living in a hostel. And, you know, when you think about all your life with your mother... It's it's
3: very sad. It's It's absolutely
4: terrible. And the other area of work I do is family work. Um, There are two sides to family work. There's the um, public law um, work, which is usually about... Um, care proceedings so that again is you see the same families you see the children of those drug addicts that have their children taken into a care and then they have often have them adopted and one of the saddest things that you do is um, you'll see a mother who comes to court with um, and she will probably have had a baby within 24 hours and you say you are not taking your baby home, your baby's going straight into care. And even though you wouldn't leave a dog with that woman, Mm -hmm. seriously, it still breaks your heart because that woman has just had a baby and you're saying, you can't take that baby home. Mm -hmm. And the other thing we see is um, families that have split up and are separating and they can't sort out arrangements for both parents to see their children... And we see lives today that are so complicated. It's not just... I mean, you know, it's not unusual to see a mother that's got four children, four fathers, every other father's got children with... You know, it's just a mess, really. And I often look... I feel quite cynical when I say this, but I think to myself, well, what do you expect? You know, if you... If you have a baby... I'm not saying you almost have a... You have a duty of care. Yeah, you have a duty of care. Duty of care. Duty of and care you can't yes, and you can't just have a baby and say to the father it's my baby, you can't see. No,
3: you can't you need to think of you need to think of the child's well-being and think of it's not at the end of the day it's not you, it's the child and the child should have equal opportunities to see the mother and the father, Absolutely. not just the mother. And it's you can't just be biased. If you're the mother, you need to think of not yourself, you need to think of the child because if it was you you wouldn't want to just see your mum, you would want to see your mum and your dad. Absolutely. But you tend to see lots of people just be, no, you can't see your dad or the other way around. But my, I was talking to my
4: daughter, who's um, the, the, the daughter that's, that's a teacher, and she said it's, um, um, it's OK making Mother's Day cards, because most children have got a mother, but she said in her class only two children live with their father. So when it comes to Father's Day well they just forget it
3: or grandparents day because lots of children live with the
4: grandparents,
3: grandparents yes well, yeah
4: so that's been a very interesting aspect of my life and I think it's very this sounds trite and it sounds um and don't take this the wrong way but I think it's very easy for us to um live a life where we don't see th- that large section of society mm-hmm. and there are a lot yeah. of people and we get into our nice cars and we go home and we have what we, we go to Waitrose and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and we pick something nice yeah. for supper. Yeah. And that is not how people live. Yeah. Do you know how much people get if they're on um, benefits? It's about £60 a week, isn't it? I think it's £150 a fortnight. Yeah. So, it's
3: not much. No. Can yeah. you imagine living on that? Yeah. I think if you had a small child as well, you yeah. had to clothe the child, have water, hot water in the house, electricity. Yeah.
0: Mm. What about... <clears throat> I was talking to somebody else about um, prison visiting and how they felt about prisoners. And uh, In fact, it was Sir Nick, and he's coming back on in March to be talking about that. What about education? Are you finding that the people you're, that are coming up before you are educated enough to, A, read and understand the rules of life? Can they read and write? Simple things such as that.
4: Well we had one um, young man today that obviously couldn't read the report that had been written about him. He couldn't read it. Um, But um, you get people from a huge a huge variety actually um, of, of people but many people are have a, a, a many people you see in the criminal courts have got a low standard of education. They haven't. They've often um, um, not gone to school very much. I don't think. Take and they back. come from a lot of them come from families where I mean I used to see this when I was a health visitor. That you you'd see a six-year-old child saying, "I want to go to school today, please, mum." They were the ones that were saying, "I want to go to school," and
3: the mothers were the ones that were saying, "Oh, not today." When, when they know. have to leave school, they're like, "But I want to stay. I want to stay, I want to stay here." That's yeah, that's
1: bad, isn't it? That's that's bad. The
3: system sort of failed Terrible. them a bit, and
1: they. Terrible. Yeah, if they'd been made to go to school, how different could their lives have turned out?
0: Mm. I've got so many questions here that mm-hmm. I think I might overstep the mark by asking them. You can um, ask. Based on my experience with building houses in the Walworth area of London and we actually had to weld the door shut on the communal laundries we're building in these flats because the children were putting cats and dogs in in the dryers and killing them we couldn't get anybody to clean them out afterwards so we stopped people using it we we basically closed no I, I, I we mustn't pick on this okay um I've read Jeffrey Archer's book, books about when he was in prison, and he found there that half the people in prison were either dyslexic, or yes. autistic, or or whatever, and couldn't read. And they're coming out of school unable to read, and so if you get the cycle of parents not helping the children, are we in a vicious spiral going downwards? I don't know. I don't know. So you said you were. Um, an NHS manager, a health visitor. Um, You've missed a bit out there, Fiona. I think, haven't you? Where where did you end up in the um, NHS?
4: I well, I ran. I was a, a chief executive of a, of a trust, and then I um, was um, a, de- a director of commissioning in another trust. So I did end up. I did end up with a very senior job in the NHS, and um, that it's a very very difficult job to do. Very difficult job. And I, and I know they get a lot of flack, but it is, um, it's really difficult to manage all the competing priorities.
0: That's important because we, we read here all the headlines of the newspapers and it's a difficult thing sometimes to understand what you're reading in the sense, is it a newspaper headline to sell newspapers and how does that actually reflect the truth of what's happening? And for you to say, we do our best, we have a limited budget, we're trying to do our best. And that's great to hear because the newspapers are calling you, calling the NHS rubbish. Uh, we can't do this, we can't do that. And so it's difficult for, let's say, the reader of the newspaper or the listeners to our programme to understand the balance. And that's why I'm pleased you just said it's very, very difficult.
4: Well, it is very so difficult balance. because I think that we want, we expect more and more and more from the health service. There are more and more um, treatments that we can have. We're all living hugely longer. I mean, it's multifactorial. I mean, there's a lot um, in the press at the moment about social care. And if you take yourself, if you take go backwards 50 years we mostly lived near the rest of our families. So when Granny got old, I mean, A, Granny didn't live till she was 90. Granny was dead at 75. But when <laughs> she was in those days, I mean, they, yeah. in yeah. fact, didn't people used to live something like that the state pension age was brought in at 60 and 65 because the average person lived two years longer than that. So we were only doling out for two years.
0: That's why it's broke.
4: But, but when, when people got old, they lived near their families and their families cared for them. But nowadays, we're not, I mean, we're not usually in a position to do that because most of us don't live near our relatives. Or don't want to. Or don't want to. And we don't live in... We don't. I think the culture's changed where we don't want to, but we also don't live with housing being so expensive. We're not in a position to say, come and live with us, Granny. You don't
1: have some of the spare bedroom or,
4: you know,
1: these days... Moms tend to go out to work, whereas fifty years ago they may well have been staying at home. They don't have the time to
3: care for. Even huh. my mum have said to me now, like, "I'm coming to live with you." <laughs> <laughs> like, I better get a room ready.
0: Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's interesting. So what are the general criteria uh, to be a, for a JP? Are you interviewed, or what do you yes, they or do what?
4: interview you. They do interview you. They, um, they're two. That you have w- one. Um, interview where they kind of weed out the people that want to hang people you know the real (laughs) (laughs) nutcases but basically basically they've got a huge range of um people that are magistrates anyone can be a magistrate providing you've got the providing i think that you can demonstrate that you're um non-judgmental you're not um, prejudiced against um, different sections of the community because you do see all sorts and that you can um, you've got the decision making capacities to make a proper decision but it's great because there you, you turn up and there are always three of you and you you see different people every time and you meet a huge range i mean they are teachers, headmasters, people that own uh, takeaways post offices electricians firemen on the thing with you yes 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 so you're
1: deciding on like people's potential sentences and things and whether they then do you decide if if it's more serious to go to the crown court does somebody else decide that before it gets to you
4: sometimes we decide if someone has been if we do a trial for example and then we decide information comes out and we think that they've been so awful that we our sentencing powers are not sufficient We will send them up to the Crown Court for sentence. We sent someone to prison today for um, breaching um, a a probation order. Um, And I'll tell you what happened there because he came in for a. um, He came in because he hadn't been um, attending the probation service. And so he was just sitting in front of us. And we read the report and heard everything about it. And the only option, he was. He'd been given every 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 opportunity to um, behave, and he hadn't. So we knew we would get. We went out into our retiring room. We knew we were going to send him to prison. But he's sitting right in front of us. He's not in a dock. So we had to get the legal advisor out, mm. we had to get the um, security guards from downstairs, they had to hide outside the court in case he decided to run away, and then we went back in and said, we're actually going to send you to prison, in they come, clink, clink. Oh my and goodness. off he goes. Your own safety. Well yeah. no, because... because Potential. But, well, yeah. he wasn't going yeah. to do anything, yeah. but he was taken yeah. straight into the other side then, into custody. So he knew it was happening. He you're knew not
1: in, co- like, a sort of proper courtroom. Yes, yes we are. Yeah, so you we are, are but yeah. you are.
4: When I say he was sitting in yeah. front of us, he was just sitting at a table like yeah. you are there. But we sit on a bench. I mean, it's, uh, we're known as yeah. the bench, really. But yeah, when, when, when you've got time, um, you, you can all apply to be magistrates. Well, that sounds and interesting. And I don't know what the... Most, know. Most, no. You wouldn't...
3: No, I, I just I think some of the cases I wouldn't like to hear. From no. my own mind, I just don't think I would like. I, personally I just wouldn't want to hear some of the cases.
0: Say I don't want to do that beyond that case. No. Mm. It's your turn you're up.
3: Yeah, you don't know what you're going to get.
4: You get the you get you don't know what you don't know until you get yeah. there. Occasionally you know somebody.
1: That's that's And then are you not allowed to be on the panel, do you still have to... You
4: do, you, you would... Um, you see the list, you check the names, and okay. if you know anybody, you don't details. do it. You don't yeah. do it. Yeah. But I had a case once, I don't know whether I should say this, but I will. <laughs> um, I remember... <laughs> um, uh, my, I said to you earlier on, when we were having a coffee, I've got a naughty daughter. And, um, <laughs> anyway, this, this young man was um, in court, and he... I think he was... Dr- it was not anything major, but he was driving... A motorbike without L plates, and you're supposed to wear use L plates yeah. until you've, you know, it wasn't a wicked. I looked at him and I thought we were halfway through, and I thought I know you. <laughs> then I looked at his name, I thought, I thought you stayed at our house. Before <laughs> <that."> oh <laughs> my gosh. But by that time, it was too late, too late. Yeah. Yeah. and um, so I just did it and hoped he didn't recognise me. But it's just
3: you only you think. Oh. Well, that happens. They with parents, yeah. though, half the time well you can walk down the street with my mum and then I can be like oh the so and she's like no they haven't I'm like yeah they have they have stayed at our house when I was like 16 so yes. it does happen it does it
0: does this is getting rather interesting I think you better move on <laughs> Fiona that really good thank you we, really thank we've you. covered a lot of stuff there and everyone to, I wasn't going to say any questions but I think we got everyone got the question now. <laughs> ok well
4: yeah. thank you very uh, much indeed Steve.
0: you can come again if you like to well,
4: thank you for yeah. asking yeah, that it's, yeah, to
0: talk it's about. fun um and cross that bit off now. Thanks. Thank you. Okie dokie. As you know, I always pass on uh, your thanks to our guest speakers, and I'm pleased to tell you that Sir Nicholas Lettsby ends his term as the High Sheriff of, of Worcestershire in March. And he and I were talking the other day, and he said he'd like to come and read again. So I know you all liked him. And Tom from Waitrose wants to come back as well, and you'll be pleased to know he used to be a church reader. He'll shoot me for saying that. His mum used to sort of mark him points out of ten for every time he did it. So, if you've got any requests for a, um, um, a special guest, please let me know. We, we need it. I've got a few in, lined up, but um, we'll see what happens. Okie dokie. Weather forecast and sun times. Did I say sometimes or sun times? Sun need to say we cannot guarantee his accuracy. Best to say, the weather. Wrap up well before you go out. It's going to be overcast, jolly cold, possible rain, windy, and it might warm up a bit if the sun shines for a few days. Sunrise around seven o'clock, and you notice it's rapidly now. It's about an hour earlier than it was last time we spoke. Sunset at five thirty. I'm not plugging. But please don't forget Dolphin Software are looking for volunteers to test their new software they are developing for you. I've played with it, enjoyed it, and it's jolly good stuff, and I think you will enjoy using it. Don't worry about getting there. They're happy to come to see you. If you're interested, call Simon Kitchen on 01905 754 577 Or leave a message with us here and we'll uh, pass it on for you. Well, that's the end of this week's recording and I'd like to thank tonight's reading team and our production team for later on and for all doing an excellent job. Please keep the feedback coming in. It enables us to make a recording that's a pleasure for you to listen to and for us to make. Our thought for the day is... Treat others how you would like to be treated. I say that every time I do it, but that's what the essence of living, I think. So, it's a goodbye for, for now from...
3: Me, goodbye from Charlotte. Goodbye from Heather.
0: Goodbye from Toby.
3: And goodbye from Fiona.
0: And goodbye from me. Thank you, team.